0: Listeners, you are tuned in to WOWD 94.3 FM, and this is Interfaith-ish. I am your host, Jack Gordon, and every other Wednesday, one hour at a time, right here on Tacoma Radio, we bring you bold conversations about what we believe, why we believe, and how we navigate the common ground and differences between our traditions. Dear listeners, I'm joined this morning by two guests who are no strangers to the funk and realness of what it takes to build a beloved community. We'll be getting into their experiences as a couple of real interfaith OGs. So without further ado, it's time to get into some interfaith-ish. Dear listeners, I'm joined this morning by Pastor Karen Brow, who has been senior pastor at Luther Place Memorial Church in downtown D.C. since 2009. Uh, She previously served as pastor of Amazing Grace Evangelical Lutheran Church in East Baltimore for 18 years. And Pastor Karen is a member of the D.C. Synod Young Adult Ministry Steering Group, She's engaged in the Clergy Caucus of the Washington Interfaith Network and serves on the board of N Street Village. Welcome to you, Pastor Karen.
1: Thank you very much.
0: Also joining us this morning is Fazia Dean, who currently serves as Deputy Outreach Director at Dar al Hidra Islamic Center in Falls Church, Virginia, where she specializes in interfaith community outreach and civic engagement. Fazia is a lawyer by training, and before coming to the D.C. area, worked as the corporate wellness director for one of the largest wellness centers in Indiana. So welcome to you, Fazia.
2: I'm glad to be here. Thank you for having me.
0: And Ramadan Mubarak to you.
2: Ramadan Kareem.
0: And also, I want to say, just as as you are both mothers, a belated happy Mother's Day to the both of you. Did you uh, do anything special for, for Mother's Day this weekend?
1: Just enjoyed being alive (laughs) 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 on the day that's good that's good Mother's Day is every day. Oh yes, very good.
2: Very good. That's that's very diplomatic. I hope the kids remember. i mentor, so Mother's Day is every day.
0: Wonderful. So I was I was actually this weekend I was um coming back from a trip I was in Accra, Ghana, and on Sunday and the whole city was shut down. So Sunday is a big day because of going to church and everything for a lot of folks in the city, but because it was Mother's Day, I think everybody was was at home with mom or taking mom out. You could hear it on on the radio and anywhere you're going. On the streets, it was a big deal. So, um, what about at, at, at your church, Pastor Karen? Are you, do you guys make a big deal out of Mother's Day? Where you guys?
1: I uh, we we celebrate that um, Mothering happens in a lot of ways, uh-huh. and so we you know, sort of address it that way. And this Sunday, um, past we also celebrated Mother Earth. Great. So we had a Earth centered. Liturgy and um, various uh, natural installations in the sanctuary with plants and rocks and wood oh, and man, artwork related to nature. Yeah. yeah, yeah,
0: that's great. And it's such a, a beautiful time of year to be celebrating that. All the flowers are uh-huh. out and yeah. everything. Yeah. Very good. That must have been a, a beautiful image in the sanctuary. With it really was. There. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Was it a full house? A lot of folks coming out for that.
1: Well. We we could be fuller, so <laughs> that is one of our areas, I think, where um, we, uh, I think we have real opportunity to offer an understanding of the Christian faith that is inclusive and expansive and can bring meaning and um, belonging to a wide variety of people, and so I think that's actually our
2: growing edge.
0: Mm-hmm. What about Daryl Hijra? What is... What is uh... Mother's Day every day look look like
2: Mother's a, Day every day. So, you know, it's Ramadan. Yes. We're in the middle of fasting. Yeah. And so Mother's Day, we all, uh, you know, my kids are far away. So everybody's calling me and we are calling each other at four o'clock in the morning for breakfast. Oh, man. Yeah. That's great. That's so, great. Um, yeah. And then I, uh, of course, got a lot of gifts in the mail mm-hmm. and I do mentor. So I made, I got a lot of calls from uh, all the kids that I mentor, but. We have to remember that during the month of Ramadan, we're sacrificing a lot. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so celebrations are on the low low, mm-hmm. except for at 8 o'clock at night. That's right. Until, <laughs> until, until the sun so, goes down. And then yeah, the, it's the potluck. Up. Yeah. <laughs> potluck after 8 o'clock. So all the mothers and the kids are out there after 8 o'clock.
0: Very cool. Yeah. Very cool. Now, um, you grew up in Guyana. So what was the, the culture different there around these type of events? I'm really curious what, what that upbringing was like there like for you. Like
2: these types of events? Like well, I mean,
0: like being part of a Muslim community? Were you part of a Muslim community in Guyana? So
2: um, being Muslim in Guyana is uh, you're the minority. Mm-hmm. Again, like I think back in the 70s, I'm dating myself. Uh, there were about 9% Muslims. So um, I went to Catholic school. And uh, for me, being Muslim there, I didn't, as a child, didn't think I was different from anybody else. Mm. So most of my friends were not Muslim. Okay. I like three Muslim friends. Yeah. And, um, and it's wh- a very multi-ethnic. Are they, are so they're Guyanese? Portuguese, okay. Chinese, uh-huh. African, Indian, uh, local Amerindians, and just everybody, that whole ethnicity of ships that landed there and never left. So, um, and where, where
0: were the Muslims coming from that were in the in the? Community? I would think
2: originally from India, mm. uh, the bulk, but not all. And then you had the merchants that came from the Middle East that landed and fell in love with those girls. And then so you have this multi ethnic uh-huh. uh and is that is that right. the story in your family? That's the story <laughs> of my family and I'm sticking to it. <laughs> Wonderful. Wonderful.
0: So what were some of the what were some of the standout experiences that you remember growing up in, in Guyana? Are there certain sounds or smells that bring you back to your childhood there?
2: Uh so I was born five minutes from the beach, the Atlantic mm. Ocean. So that is what I remember the most. Like my parents were busy, my mom was a chef, we had our own restaurant. Oh, wow catch of the days coming straight from the ocean Um, and then my dad would uh, you know we had supermarkets and they were like really busy people but at the end of the evening my dad would always take us to the beach and we would run as little kids along the water now Guyana I am from Georgetown which is uh, below sea level so you would think it's South America as being hot Mm. but in that particular region where I'm from, the city of Georgetown, the air from the ocean would come into the city and cool it off.
0: Oh,
3: wow! So it's just
2: perfect. Oh, that's and great. And I remember the ocean a lot and uh-huh. great food. Beautiful.
0: So that that probably sounds pretty reminiscent of of. Pastor Karen, your your life growing up in upstate New York, right? Similar experience. Uh, rare.
1: <laughs> Went to the ocean every once in a while when we would go down towards um, New York City uh-huh. and go to Jones Beach. The, um, <laughs>
0: yeah. What What was life like for you growing up in in upstate New York?
1: Oh, I I just remember a lot of um, a lot of like green space and um, riding my bicycle all over the place. Mm. My my father was a big gardener, so from an early age, understanding, you know, growing plants mm-hmm. and preparing mm-hmm. for planting, and um, yeah, we had we had ducks and uh, rabbits and a goose. So I also remember um, being chased by the goose who wanted my little white socks <laughs> and Is chasing this- the do- the dogs. We had dogs too, so a lot of outdoor stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: Is this pretty far up north upstate?
1: Um, like in Binghamton I was yeah, I grew up there until okay. like about first grade and then moved to Westchester County. Oh okay. Yeah.
0: yeah cool, yeah. cool. And pretty rural it sounds like Yeah, a little bit when a little was, of huh?
1: yeah, when I was younger.
0: Yeah. huh. And you're um your you you were saying your father um was a Lutheran pastor as well, and your grandfather and too. My grandfather too, yeah. So so yeah. was it set in stone pretty early that you'd be following in this path?
1: Well, I was pretty sure I never would because I thought it was pretty boring and you had no <laughs> money. It felt like so <laughs> um, so I was pretty sure I didn't want to do that. Uh huh. Yeah. So but, tell
0: us about being being a pastor's kid. What was that experience well, for you?
1: You know what? I um I think I, I have a younger brother, too. Like, you get to navigate having, like, your parent. Um, like, when the UPS man came in on a Friday, and instead of saying, like, Happy Mother's Day to me, or he said, like, or he said, Happy Mother's Day, you are a mother to many. And so when your, pa- your parent is a pastor, they are a a pastor to many mm. or in some ways it feels like a mother and a father mm. to many mm-hmm. so you have to figure out how to share right <laughs> you've got and you have to figure congregation
0: out of brothers and sisters yeah
1: yeah how to how to how to be yourself and to have uh, your own relationship with your parents so it's a little bit complicated mm-hmm. um and i didn't mind it it seemed to go mostly well yeah for me and my father was very um creative and um uh inclusive of a variety of kinds of people always having people like develop their gifts so oh, beautiful. it was a pretty like generative atmosphere so yeah. i got i got that sense of what church could be like
0: and when when did the shift happen for you that you decided to then take on oh. that life path and mantle
1: yourself well um it happened, I graduated from college, went to work in New York at a bank, and had been an economics major, mm. and um, apparently minored in religion, and looking back, those are, the, those are the classes <laughs> I got like A's in, <laughs> so apparently I had an interest in it. Uh-huh. Um, but I was a young banker, and I just, um, I remember going to visit with uh, someone, to I was in commercial banking at that point in time someone to lend money to and I started worrying or wondering how it was with their soul it sort of floated through my head and I said oh no oh, you, you've broken <laughs> yourself as a banker
0: <laughs> once you start said, thinking about souls this does not bode
1: well for the path I think I'm supposed to <laughs> be following so yeah Amazing. so I was sort of I guess touched in thought and then just began to try to mind what that meant
0: hmm. If you're just joining us, this is Interfaith-ish on WOWD 94.3 FM. We're talking this morning with Pastor Karen Brow of Luther Place Memorial Church in DC and Fazia Dean, Deputed Outreach Director at Darul hijra Islamic Center in Falls Church, Virginia. Um, Pastor Karen, so tell us a little bit also about about the the Lutheran tradition. What are some of the origins of the denomination? What what sets it apart historically or philosophically?
1: Well, if if Asia said that um, when we were talking, sort of grew up going to the Catholic Church, sort of that would be its origins, that um, Martin Luther um, became frustrated with the Catholic Church for a variety of reasons, including that um, it was organizing money from impoverished people to build magnificent churches, and so you could sort of buy tickets to buy your way to... To heaven, so um, so he was uh, adamant that that was not the only way, and had a lot of um, sort of encounters um, that had him realize that there was nothing that he could do to feel um, that he was and sort of use the word justified or whole. That he required the gift of God's grace to come into his life, and so he went with that, and um, I don't think had intended to start a denomination, but just in his own protest, the institution couldn't bear it. Mm. So um, they called him a a heretic and threw him out, and he became threatened. Just like sort of any reform within an institution, there's always a a pushback. And so um, that was in Germany, and the... um, In the late 1400s or so. So, Mm. in front of the church I serve now, there's a giant statue of Martin Luther out front. So uh, we're reminded of that. And Does
0: it still have that social justice? Has that always been sort of a propulsion in the community? I think
1: it's always been a part of the Lutheran Church, and it sort of depended on, I think, on your geography mm. um, as to how it would come forth or if it would come forth. Um, sometimes the church um, really focused on itself being in its, its own immigrant church, and so people were busy. Doing that, um, and would do one on one with their neighbor, but not necessarily social justice.
0: Not not loud, but uh, yeah, more quiet in, yeah, yeah, in the community. Yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. And tell us a little bit about you know the 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 evangelical part of it, because if we look at the name, folks right. see the evangelical part. So what does that mean in the context of the well, church? it
1: means actually sharing the good news in part because. Um, Lutherans are pretty quiet often. And so it's a good evangelical about sharing good, good news of God love. Um, you introduced talked, talking about the beloved community, the good news about being part of a, a, a movement that's um, a broad-based movement to build a beloved community that Dr. King talked about. Um, So evangelical in a good way, and I think the challenge now is that evangelical is used in a very restrictive way, Mm. and a punitive way. Mm. The Lutherans, I think, were figuring out a way that makes a difference and that we are um, building something in some ways from the grassroots up that I think can be... um, can be part of, of making this world um, sustainable for everyone.
0: Mm-hmm. And tell us a little bit about then uh, Luther Place itself, What a little bit of the, the history sure. there yeah. and who's involved with
1: the community. Right, so the congregation was started in 1873 and was a, a, a plant from an, another church uh, called St. Paul's Lutheran Church. And um, right now where it sits on Thomas Circle, if you could imagine that that was um, Fairly rural, so Washington mm. was very small back then. Um, so, choosing a space, um, I, I think, uh, r- reflects um, sort of their the proximity to the White House and not too far from the Capitol. So, always being both uh, like a, an urban congregation, but also connected to what was what is going on like politically in mm-hmm. the world. Um, to the north of where Luther Place. Um, sits. There were camps of people who were refugees from the civil war, and so there was a lot going on in that area. Yeah. So there were clinics and there were daycares, and um, and as the 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 decades went on, and dif- different different pastors came through, they would sort of figure out um, like where not just where is the need, but like where is the call to engage, and where are the gaps, and that often like that. Like, I experienced God to work. Like, that often arrives before you, and you get to, like, agree, like, yes, now mm. we're going to engage with that. So I think that happened over and over again.
0: So speaking of, of now and the neighborhood, what effect have you seen the the rapid transformation of that 14th Street Corridor has had on your community and, and the folks <laughs> that you serve in the neighborhood?
1: Yeah, that's, I think, been a huge shift. Um, so uh, in the... Uh, in the 1970s and the 80s, um, uh, Luther Place became um, a, an interfaith uh, collaborator in order to serve um, homeless women. And so the the attention to what it means to live in a city like Washington and to um, be in community and to... Um, serve. uh, Women who are experiencing homelessness is like a huge dissonance of that, um, how there is economic inequality, which now is becoming more vast. So for our congregation that for in sort of from the late 60s on became like reoriented to um, engaging around what did it mean to um, serve people living in poverty and what does poverty mean in in the the economic system that we live in. so that bias towards the poor um, has had to have um, sort of the gifts of grace around it to be able to transform, to have a sense that actually, like, God is with everyone, and so people who are buying million-dollar condos are also included in that. Mm. So that's been a real stretch for the congregation.
0: But N Street Village has been one of these ways in which, as you're saying, you're working with homeless women, yeah, yeah, yeah. and and it's embedded in in, yes. in these changes that are happening, but yeah. it's it's steadfast. in yeah there it's yes. really so tell us a little bit about that commitment.
3: So
1: um, N Street Village so it's more than 40 years old and um, as I said started on an, on an interfaith um, collaboration and um, now serves most of the homeless women that um, live in Washington D.C. N Street now has five sites in the city and so the flagship um, places right on end street in between fourteenth and Vermont. So that's a, a great physical location and there's a day program that happens every day. And so today I'm missing my Bible study, which I always do oh, on Wednesday mornings. Thank you for and being And I here do with it in a in a collaborative fashion too. So we use something called Lectio Divina hmm. where you read a scripture and you have people then listen to what it's saying to them. So it's always a very rich experience and very much participatory. Um so the the ministry, you know, is um it's a nonprofit and it's a very effective nonprofit and it's grown significantly in size. And that um I think the model is a holistic wraparound model that includes um engaging people where they are, um having them participate in their recovery and healing and um I think that um, the, the ways that people are brought to life really matches with like, our, our theological understanding of the, the gifts of Jesus Christ, the ministry, so the serving, the ministry, the healing. And then people feel a lot of times like they're coming back from the dead mm. and that they're being raised up for new life. And then in turn are able to serve other people. Beautiful. Yeah.
0: If you're just joining us, this is Interfaith-ish on WOWD 94.3 FM. We've been talking this morning with Pastor Karen Brow of Luther Place Memorial Church in D.C. My other guest this morning is Fazia Dean, Deputy Outreach Director at Dar al Islamic Center in Falls Church, Virginia. Fazia, we just heard about some of the social programs that Luther Place uh, hosts in the community. So tell us about, about what outreach looks like at Dar al
2: So Outreach and Interfaith at Dara Hidra has many, many aspects, including the social services aspect, the food bank that we do for our community um, every week uh, on a Thursday. Um, It's open to uh, about 300 families. And we do this every Thursday. We work with the churches in the neighborhood. And we cook our in-house kitchen, of course. As you know, it prepares like about 1,200 meals every night during Ramadan. Mm. So we also do this on a weekly, uh, a monthly with the churches next door where we cook lunch for the homeless. Mm. My connection with D.C., because you talked a lot about D.C., is that every Monday I come to D.C., at the Juvenile Youth Center and I have a group of young people and they're trained to mentor. It's an interfaith program and we work with Catholic University, Howard University, the students and then we mentor young men and women who are detained at the jail. Um, my other connection with DC is another interfaith uh, program that we do with Washington Hebrew Congregation, and of course the Unity Walk, the yearly Unity Walk, and then also throughout the year they might have like Passover events or something like that, or yeah. their youth will collaborate with our youth department. So there's a lot of interfaith work going on all the time. We have solidarity teas, mm-hmm. for example, for um, after the travel ban happened um uh the rhetoric of you know islamophobia all of the stuff and then the churches in, their, in our neighborhood uh actually called us and said um you know we want to come over to your mosque and sign up to be muslims and i'm like and he and one of the pastors said well we've collected flowers and fruit and all of this and i said well we have lots of tea <laughs> and so we started uh in-house solidarity tea now mm-hmm. Solidarity Tea by itself was started by the Queen of Norway, and it's a national, okay. yeah, international uh, event, and um, I think what happened, uh, short story on that, on Solidarity Tea, is that the Queen of Norway, her people were griping about immigrants, so some xenophobic mm. uh uh, ideas came about and she said oh stop it just invite them for a cup of tea mm. and so started Cup of Tea which became an international event mm-hmm. so locally at Dara Indra um, after the travel ban we moved Cup of Tea from outside people's homes who were doing that to inside so people would have an opportunity to meet a Muslim tour a mosque right. and come in and have tea and biscuits or food sometimes and mm-hmm. uh, if our kitchen is open <laughs> and we have conversation, healthy conversation, not just about interfaith, your religion or my religion and what's happening, but also about what's our community together, what are what our needs are. Mm-hmm. It could be affordable housing. It could be uh, what do we want to do about gun violence? Mm-hmm. Uh, what do we want to do about bullying in schools? Mm-hmm. And so all of these issues are under our civic engagement and outreach Um and lobbying, teaching kids how to lobby, um, very very active, very very busy. Yeah, yeah.
0: And and tell us just just for our, our, our listeners' benefit, what is the meaning of Dar al-Hijra?
2: So uh, Dar al-Hijra, I'm not an Arab speaker, so this is my version. Yeah, okay, sure. Um, it means the migration. Yeah, yeah. So. So
0: I'm I'm curious. That migration is in the context of the, of the history of Islam, of, yes. of, of Muhammad yes. going from Mecca prophet, to Medina, yes. right? Um, so I wonder for you as an immigration lawyer, how do you interpret that meaning? What is, what is the concept of, of a hijrah mean in the times that we're living in right now, especially with issues of migration and, and people being welcomed from the place that they're coming from or, or not?
2: Interesting question. Um, for me, life is a journey. So I see Hijra as that. Mm. Um, I could. There's different c- contexts of Hijra, um, like you described in the prophet's time when he had to migrate. So um, for me, Hijra means a journey. And I'm still on that journey, right? Because I remember as the pastor talked a little bit about history, growing up with my parents and watching them, from their busy day, every Friday, they had like three blocks. Every Friday, people would just line up. And I didn't realize as a little kid, that's a food bank. Hmm. And they would come in, and my, my dad and my mom would have parcels of food, whatever they wanted, three or four uh, basic items that they needed to eat. And um, I grew up with that. Now, you're a little kid not knowing. Today, in my whole journey of being a mom, working with refugees in my immigration practice, all of that, being married to a military doctor, not being married to a military doctor, embracing outreach now. All of that is a journey. It's a hydra. Mm, mm. And now mentoring children who are being detained and not white kids. They are non-white kids. Mm. They are minority children being locked up. So addressing those issues now to me mm-hmm. is a continuum it 's a journey forever until you die
0: We're having this conversation in the month of Ramadan and, yes. and you were you were um, talking a little bit about the social services of course, people when they think of Ramadan they they think of being focused on not not eating, but actually there's so much more to do with with charity and being generous with our neighbors and so forth. And, and you talked a little bit about that. So what is Ramadan looking like, you know, given the, all the different programs that you're doing at Dar Haza?
2: Amazing. The, the one thing about Ramadan that's amazing outreach work for us is um, our Ramadan iftars. So every Tuesday we have Bring a Friend Night, and it's um, published very highly. So um, every Tuesday any Muslim can invite a friend who is not Muslim, to the mosque, and they come and join us at the breaking of fast. Mm. Now imagine, 1,200 people, you have people coming in mm. and, and enjoying that space and seeing what it's like for hungry people to break fast at 8 o'clock at night. Mm. Um, and then we have, on Wednesdays, it's more civic engagement um, time where you can invite your, your teachers, first responders, maybe some government officials, and... It's full, like tonight, we are expecting a full house. We had like about 50 to 60 RSVPs mm. from schools, from uh, local community um, service people, uh, police, um, even sometimes the FBI mm-hmm. will come for dinner with us. Mm. So, yeah. Um, Outreach during Ramadan is fantastic because we also, uh, like you you mentioned about charity. So we embolden the community to reach out to the neighbors, as we discussed earlier, and make sure you invite your neighbor. And there's a thing about being Muslim, and it's not just during Ramadan, is that we shouldn't be eating if our neighbors are hungry. So it's also a good time to remind yourself of that, um, especially in the breaking of fast. It's like, bring bring your neighbor, bring your friend, invite everyone. Our kitchen is open at 8 o'clock at night.
0: <laughs> Beautiful. This is Interfaith-ish on WOWD 94.3 FM. We've been talking this morning with Fazio Dean, Deputy Outreach Director at Dar Hidra Islamic Center in Falls Church, Virginia, and Pastor Karen Brow of Luther Place Memorial Church in D.C.,
3: friends my life to make a difference, I want my life to make a change, I want my life to do some good here, I want my life to make a change, working side by side, no out or inside, together we can make a change. With the few or many with the little that any Together we can make a change I want my life to make a difference I want my life to
0: make a change We just listened to a bit of Crush Funk with the En Street Village Ambassadors of Praise at the 2018 En Street Village Gala Pastor Karen you're on stage for for that event, right? Do you rem-
1: yes, remember I that one? Yes, I was, yes. And
0: a uh, big yeah. shout-out to John Campbell on trombone. Good buddy uh-huh. of mine there. And now, as we do every episode in the second half of our program, it's time to turn the mics over to my dear guests to ask them some questions of their own, anything that they'd like to follow up on about each other's stories, anything they were familiar with coming in today that they want to understand better about each other's traditions, anything they realize that they may have misunderstood. On our show, we seek to model constructive and respectful dialogue in the spirit of learning while at the same time not being afraid to roll up our sleeves and get into some interfaith-ish. So with that, who would like to start?
2: I have a question. So for me, coming from the Muslim community, um, you hear a lot about evangelicalism and how it's very conservative. So if we're going to do interfaith work... What would you say to me, and how can I get rid of that image that's painted? Well,
1: I think that for um, much of what is called evangelical, it is conservative. And so the the name of the church that I'm part of, the Evangelical Lutheran Church in America, um, I think that... um, What I would say in terms of um, interfaith work with people who would identify as more conservative, evangelical, what I've discovered um, is actually some of the stuff that you've talked about. And I would sort of bring another piece in. I think that we can find common ground um, around um, like – some of the issues that have to do with service, and I would say charity, and like feeding people and clothing people, um, some of the basics that Jesus would talk about um, in terms of of you know if your neighbor needs something, you know attend to what that is. So I think there's I think there is common ground around service. I also think that there is ground um, to explore together around children. And what is it that children require um, in order to feel safe, um, have um, what they need in order to um, grow and thrive, um, and so that they can be children? I think that there is a lot of um, common ground there. Um, And with uh, a more conservative evangelical church, I think that we can also figure out like, like what does it mean to love each other? You know, and using the word love, you know, carefully and also in a, and I would say in a more bold kind of sense. You know, I was with, um with some friends and a, a friend who's not a, a, doesn't practice a faith. And we were talking about a lot of the, the disconnect that you're asking about. Um, and she also said like, didn't God just create it all? Right. So there, there is something there. So maybe the final thing I would say, I, I wonder in my, in my heart and in my soul um, that we're not all feeling deep anxiety around planet earth and what climate catastrophe means to all of us. And could this not be a thing that we could um, actually all agree to release some things to come together? Because any kind of addressing that is such a complicated global, everything is interdependent and interconnected. How can we um, find ways to respond to that and to respond to the fear that people have even thinking that way?
2: I love that. I am looking forward to doing some interfaith work with you. Oh, that would be amazing! And I, I love what you said about uh, the love component part of that because what happened in New Zealand, um, mm. Dara Hidra actually yeah. uh, was very uh, re- uh, reacted right away, and Adam Center, of course, and uh. we held a vigil <sighs> right after Adam Center did it the very the next day, and mm-hmm. then we had like the the day after that. Mm-hmm. So we had like twenty four hours or forty eight hours to put a vigil together, and. Our directors thought when well, you know, well, we have 24 hours, we might get 100, 200 people, but amazing show of love. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, it was because of a, an incident, a hate incident, um, where people died because mm-hmm. of hate. And um, But what it showed me was the interfaith community came out to Dara Hidra. And we had over like close to six or seven hundred people. Amen. It was standing room only, yes. and yes. people from every walk of life—Baha'i, yes. uh, Sikh, um, you know, the Lutheran, the the all the Christians, yeah, uh, all the Muslims, um, all the Jews, everybody showing up together under the arm of love. Yes, and yes. so. I think yes, we could talk about the children, and we could talk about service and charity, but it does start with love. So yes. I would love to connect with you. No pun intended. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: So I'm I am wondering, um, bringing up the 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 massacre in New Zealand at the mosque. Where is it that you find your um, your sustenance and your strength? And how would you describe that
2: so um, my sustenance and strength, like I mentioned earlier, is a common theme of journey, and mm-hmm. every morning when I wake up it's the belief right? You have to have hope, you have to have faith and um, for me, I always ask God every morning, please God, use me
1: mm-hmm.
2: and don't replace me
1: mm-hmm.
2: or make me better
1: mm-hmm.
2: and so um, one of my uh, when i when I think about my journey and all the different jobs I've had, including being a mom Mm -hmm. with all the other jobs and now mentoring children, I'm thinking, what does that all mean? So when you say, where do you get your sustenance? It comes from hope Mm -hmm. and the love of God. Mm -hmm. So we must love God first. Mm -hmm. And then that energy comes from that source. Mm -hmm. And so I get up and I believe interfaith work it's twenty four seven. I really mm. do, and now I'm an empty nester. But I, my house is full because of the work that we do, mm-hmm. and so interfaith and outreach, and the fight against xenophobia, Islamophobia, all the phobias, mm-hmm. is a continuum. And um, I would urge myself to make sure that in my outreach work, and when I'm actually training mentors, or to become ambassadors, a word I heard earlier today, um, is to, I urge Muslims uh, to get to know their neighbors, but then I urge my neighbors to get to know a Muslim. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So get to know a Muslim. And then I tell the Muslims and the people who are not Muslim, is that be aware of what's going on in the world. That's something uh, Mm -hmm. that I get up with Every day. Be aware of what's going on. So I'm going to listen to your show more often, John. And and also education is extremely important. You know, the people are dropping out. I don't have the stats on that. But a lot of high school kids are not making it out. So we need to look at that. Mm -hmm. And we need more education. And so what I tell uh, my guests that come for Iftar, who are not Muslim, walking into a mosque for the first time, and I show them our beautiful Dara Hijra Mosque in Falls Church. Um, they're like, wow, this is amazing. You know, we have a youth department. It's like a fun place. And we do interfaith work here. And the food is great. And uh, amazing space for learning about Islam. And we have great scholars mm-hmm. um, who just not knowing Islam, but they also know uh, the original uh sayings of all the prophets which we see Jesus Mm -hmm. as one of them of course and um and so they can speak on any of those subjects Mm -hmm. so come in and join us yes how does your church handle or are you looking into bullying in schools because that seems to be a topic after um the latest uh islamophobic things. so I can speak on that but I don't know if you guys are
1: I I think that um we have, uh, we've had some conversations around bullying and I think that, uh, for us, it, um, has been, um, sort of, uh, like for a variety of kinds of people, including the LGBTQ community. And so looking at what that means too, and the devastating effects of that, um, and, I think for some of the the children in the creation. I've heard some stories of actually like schools handling things really well in a sort of a, a communal way of processing. Um, so I think there are some some good news stories out there. Um, it seems, though, that um, those are in um, like institutions that support like a multicultural, multiracial understanding of of community and sort of doing what it takes to have that be um, manifest.
2: I, I would I would be curious though. You said you grew up in the country. it well, was sort of like a like suburb? Like, <laughs> suburb yeah, yeah. How 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 was bullying? How did you handle? Did you experience bullying back in the day? Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, that's that's how? really interesting that you say that. You know, I. Um,
1: in my own uh, sort of journey of faith, you know, I sometimes look back on stories of myself yes. um, and try to um, unpack what they're about. And um, I would say that I was pushed around a little as a kid, which I like didn't necessarily like understand at that point in time. But even looking back now, and I would say, um, I didn't really know how to handle it, other than just to Sort of shoulder up and carry on. I would also say that, as I look at um, even my own inner life and the relationship I have with the Holy, um, on a more individual basis, that I've I've also often turned to God for help in things I just didn't understand, or in situations that caused me to question, like, like my belovedness. So, I've also understood that some people who've gone through experiences also can bring a richness into um, having both compassion, but also like teaching, like, how do we, how do we stand up for who we are? And now as a maturing woman, I I, I would, I had someone tell me yesterday, like, like, don't duck. (laughs) Right. So I think that there is something really important, at least for me, as I age, you know, not to duck from some things.
2: And yeah, as adults, I remember Imam Jahari saying uh, to me once, because he's one of my biggest mentors, uh, is that when you're at the water cooler, like as an adult, the water cooler moment, mm-hmm. as far as bullying, um, that's your opportunity. Mm-hmm. Don't lose it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. yeah. That's great. I think that's a that's such a a terrific embodiment of of that interfaith ethos that that we we need to be bold on our things so i'm gonna mm-hmm. i'm gonna we need to print out some t-shirts and say don't duck
1: <laughs> don't, duck. don't duck out don't duck out don't on your responsibility yeah. and yes. and
0: and don't duck when when hard stuff's uh coming coming your way right
1: and the gifts that you bring yeah. fazia are just brilliant right and and sharing those in the world are a good gift for everyone
2: yeah and just being able to uh be uh, teaching for me mentoring also is teaching uh young people not like don't duck, but also being brave, it takes courage yes. to not yes. to mm-hmm. to don't duck, right? <laughs> yes. So you yeah. have to uh teach them to be brave. Yes and comfortable yeah. in an uncomfortable space. Yes. So, yes. Yeah.
0: That's great. All right. Once again this has been Interfaith Ish on WOWD ninety four point three FM. We've been listening to a conversation between Pastor Karen Brow of Luther Place Memorial Church in D.C. and Fazia Dean, Deputy Outreach Director at Dar al Islamic Center in Falls Church, Virginia. Um, before we uh, we wrap things up here, um, you know, one of the things Fazia was mentioning was was stopping by and and seeing these um, all the all the great activities that are happening. So you know, for those folks who are driving every day past Dar al on on Route Seven or walking down. Um a fourteenth street past past Luther Place with its big red building and all the beautiful artwork that's outside but they've they've never actually stopped by to go in what 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 would be your your invitation to them? Are there programs things coming up?
2: so for me, I would definitely say, um if you've never been to a mosque before and never had the opportunity to meet a Muslim or see the inside of a mosque, don't be shy because we do have an outreach department and it's outreach at org. Outreach at hijra.org. And you, and and you, you can request- Friendly
0: Fazia Yes, Friendly end.
2: Fazia. Yeah. And then you can get a scheduled tour and we will invite you back every month to our solidarity teas, Beautiful. which is open to the whole community. And it's wonderful interfaith dialogue. Mm-hmm. So I'm looking forward to working with you, Pastor. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Learn something and yes. they feed you. Yes. <laughs> What about you, people? Um,
1: I would say, um, first off, we've done um, as a community a lot of wonderful work on the grounds of the church. And so I would invite people, if they're walking by, to like walk by some of the gardens. Mm. And we have a new path and a a newer rain garden. So just Mm. to have a sense of that there is common space that is ground that we can share together. That does, you know, the ground in Washington is very old. Mm. There's a lot of of history, and a lot of that um, we can sort of reflect on creation around that. That's one thing. And then the first um, Sunday in August, we have a block party on N Street, which between 14th and Vermont, closed down the block, and that starts at about 12 o'clock. It's called Soul Fiesta, and that's a great way for a wide variety of people to come together and have fun, and there is dancing in the street.
0: Awesome. (laughs) Great invitation. Mark your calendars for that one. listeners that's a wrap this week interfaith ish i want to thank my terrific guests pastor karen Brow of luther place memorial church in dc and fazia dean deputy outreach director at dar Hidra islamic center in falls church virginia thank you both for joining me today
2: thank you jack
0: and as always i want to give a shout out to my fellow interfaith astronauts miranda hovemeyer and Sue Katz miller and our musical maestro jeff philosopher for all the great music Thank you again, dear listeners, for spending your hour with us. You can find our entire episode catalog of Interfaith-ish on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, SoundCloud, anywhere you find and enjoy your podcasts. We're also on social media at Interfaith-ish, so keep writing us about the Interfaith-ish you wish to dish at interfaith-ish at gmail.com. That's I-N-T-E-R-F-A-I-T-H-I-S-H at gmail.com. Com. Interfaith-ish will be back in two weeks. Until then, keep it locked to WOWD 94.3 FM for great music and programs seven days a week, streaming online at TacomaRadio.org.